I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and your spiritual confidant. And thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? Today, I have a special guest. We have April Rain in the building, a manifesting generator for six. And I have a lot of questions for her, but Hello, April. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Hello, AC. I could not be more excited to be here. Oh, well, good. I'm happy about that because I got a lot to ask you. <laughs> so, yeah, keep that excitement. So, okay. If many of you might know who April is, but she is the queen of Twitter. We'll just call her that. Um, but she's also a former attorney. And I want to get some information about that. But my. Um, let me let me put this this way i want to talk and jump right into your twitter moment as i like to call it um not because it's insignificant or anything like that but i think even for you that it was a pivot in your career correct it absolutely was um i as you know as you mentioned i was practicing campaign finance law as an attorney and uh it had nothing to do with the entertainment industry it was killing my soul slowly and so i was looking for something. Um, and I had started working for Broadway Black, which is an online uh, and digital platform that celebrates the achievements of Black folks on and off the Broadway stage. And I was writing for them and I was doing some editing for them um, because I needed a creative outlet. And I just wasn't getting it at work. It felt very cut and paste at work. Um, and, you know, and it was the regular, whatever, nine to six job that most folks have. Uh, and so Broadway Black was sort of the bridge and then boom Oscar so white happened and my life changed forever can we talk about that moment especially with you being a manifesting generator let's let's bring it back a little bit so you were an attorney working a nine to five at a I guess a a firm some type of corporate thing and then you had a side thing where you were doing stuff with the Broadway black and then what else were you doing at the time? How many, how many side hustles did you have? You know, what? I, I don't think I had, I, I, I am anti-man Jen in that sense that I, I don't think I had a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, wait, there was new tribe. Yikes. Okay. So yeah, there, there was another magazine that I was also doing some editing on at one point. And then, you know, I had two children, you know, and then was a wife. And so I was doing all that family stuff too. So maybe three gigs total, maybe there was one more something or other in there. Um, but I needed it. I, you know, I needed the creative outlet, I think more than anything else. Okay. That makes sense. And so when you were doing all these things and everything was happening, what was, because you're an emotional solar plex. So as that, those emotions, you're on Twitter, you're, you know, just shooting the shit, you're, you know, 
just if you don't follow april on twitter now you do um so go and follow her but you know a lot of you, you i mean it's a mix between comedy it's thought provoking it's all of these things and so what was going through your body especially with every manifesting generators in my um experience they always have a lot going on mentally emotionally physically in their body um at one time so at that moment what was going on in your mind and you tweeted that i to be honest with you i don't remember so this was like six years ago a little over six years ago i i was first of all let me just set the stage you know i'm getting ready for this you know this job as a lawyer um and i love 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 the oscars like every single thing the pre-show the post-show the fashions everything uh and so i was getting dressed that morning in my family room um because thor who you know is played by chris hemsworth as part of the mcu was one of the presenters and I was like I need Thor in HD on the biggest TV we have in the house so instead of being up in the bedroom where my behind belonged I was half naked in the family room um, watching Thor and putting on my skirt or whatever the case may be um, so you know he was just reading out these names you know best actor best supporting actor best actress best supporting actress and there were no people of color um, and for your listeners you know this was the year of this was the year of Beyond the Light. So there were really fantastic performances, but nobody was getting nominated. And so I picked up my phone, which is typically embedded in my forearm. And I said, Oscar's so white, they asked to touch my hair. And that was it. I just, you know, I got dressed and went on to work. I checked in on Twitter around lunchtime and the hashtag based on that one tweet was trending around the world. But, you know, it it was just something very organic. I can't sit here and say, you know, I was ideating and strategizing and no, right, right, right. I was feeling. And so, you know, Twitter is my place. Twitter is like my journal. If I don't put it on Twitter, it doesn't happen and it hasn't happened. Mm. So um, that's where I go to share stuff. I feel like I'm the only black woman in America who doesn't actually journal, but Twitter is, is my place to have the conversations, especially back then, like five, six years ago, you couldn't even thread tweets. And, you know, so I have conversations all day, every day, sometimes for myself, but very often with the community that I've created. That's amazing. And I I feel like that was one of your soul moments. And what I call a soul moment is where your soul, as we all know, and as I always say that your soul is here to do a job, it's your responsibility to complete the mission. And when we talk about that, sometimes we are on this path that we have and we're just minding our business. Like you said, you were going to work, minding your business, and then you have a soul moment in the everything changes after that because you get put back into alignment where where you're supposed to go and that was a tweet for you sometimes it's a relationship for someone else sometimes it's a job sometimes it's meeting someone on the street all of these things and then now the life has changed so i don't want to stick too much in this moment but from then to let's say even last year what did that do for you career-wise? How did it change your perspective on what you wanted to do, everything? 
it, it changed everything. I mean, I, I don't practice law anymore. So that, that's a big one, right? Um, you know, I travel around the world now. My job did not require travel. Um, I am happy now. I was not happy before. And I think that's the most important part that I have, you know, I was 44 um, when I tweeted Oscar So White. They asked to touch my hair, the very first Oscar So White tweet. Uh, and I had not yet found my purpose and I feel that I have now. Um, and so I feel like I'm living in alignment. I, you know, I am thankful that I am here now. I wish that I could have <laughs> figured out where I should have been, you know, 20 years earlier. Um, but absolutely everything changed. That's amazing. And let's let's jump into that a little bit, because timing is everything. Do you think that you would have been able to appreciate what you have now if it was 20 years ago? No. And you're right. And, and that's a that's a great question. And not only could I not appreciate it, but I wouldn't be able to do the things because you know, I'm a very hands on parent. Um, and so, you know, even five years previous, I wouldn't have been able to travel. I wouldn't have been able to, you know, do the overnights up and back to New York what have you, um, because my kids would have been five years younger and I wouldn't have wanted to take that time. So, you know, the universe knew, um, you know, so my kids then were like 11 and 16, I think, or around there. Uh, and so that was a good time because they were relatively self-sufficient. And so they didn't need me there every single day. I had my husband there, you know, for whatever the kids may have needed while I was gone. Um, and so now five years years later that my career has sort of transitioned again. Um, you know, now I've got one kid graduating high school and the other one graduating college and they don't care where I am you know, anywhere in the world, <laughs> which is great. I mean, they can always get me through FaceTime or what have you, but I don't have to be up under them as I, you know, may have wanted to at least five years ago. That's amazing. So human design, let's, let's segue right there because uh, and here's a question I usually ask people is how do you think your life would be different if you had human design 20 years ago, if you knew about it? Well, yeah, so I would love to go back even further. If I, I, I feel now that I went to law school because it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, I graduated from high school in 1987. Uh, and back then, if you wanted to be a quote unquote professional, you know, you had to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. That was pretty much it for you. Yeah, you know, both of my parents are accountants. So. <laughs> See? <laughs> and, and, you know, and the internet was still in its infancy stages, you know? So um, creating your own job the way that folks can now wasn't a thing. Digital strategy wasn't a thing. Um, and so I did what was available to me, um, but it wasn't in, in line. Now that I know my profile and now that I know some of the gates and the channels that I have, it's clear that I was not supposed to be sitting in anybody's office, <laughs> you know, doing the kinds of work that I was doing. I was not supposed to be, um, you, you know, regimented with respect to time the way that I was, obviously, you know, you need to get this, you know, this report, this brief or whatever finished by this date, you know, and, and here are the little benchmarks 
products along the way. Um, there, it, it's everything would have been different had I known. And so that's why I'm trying to impress on not just everybody I meet, but also my kids, you know, be mindful of, you know, various things and who you are and make decisions with respect to who you are, not who you think somebody, including me, wants you to be. That's perfect. Cause I always tell people, you know, what we would all be so different if we knew about a lot of these modalities earlier in our life, just because when you look at your chart or when you get information about your chart, it just pulls you back to, Oh, wow. I've, and I don't want to say that, like I said, timing is everything. We are all on the path that we're supposed to be right now. And then we can, you know, recalibrate and get back in alignment to what your soul wants. But sometimes, uh, especially for me, when I discovered human design 10 years ago, it was like, Oh my gosh, I've been doing this all wrong for all this time, but it, it came at the right time. And with what do you, for people who are, you know, stumbling upon human design later in life, and especially you knowing that you're a manifesting generator and you hear all of these good things, bad things, all of this, you know, all of this kind of, you know, rhetoric around the MGs and stuff. What would you say to someone who is, I would even say after 35, after 40, who just discovered this about themselves? the world is about to open up to you, you know, and, and you said, you know, you felt like you were doing things wrong. I'm, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to go with, you know, I did the best that I could with the knowledge that I had. Uh, but if you're just, you know, rediscovering or discovering human design in your thirties, your forties or your fifties, whatever, um, you know, what an amazing gift you have to completely shift your focus. If that makes sense, you know, you may find that you're completely living in alignment and, you know, and everything is cool. But if something feels off kilter, what I, I love most about human design, I say this all the time, is that it has been such an affirmation and a validation of some of the things that I've already been doing, but that may not be as quote unquote, accepted in society, you know? So, oh, I need to wait before I make a decision. You know, I need to ride that emotional wave. And so I'm going to say to you, can I get back to you? Or when do you need, you know, when do you need to know this information instead of just immediately saying yes or no, because that's not aligned with me. You know, I know that I am very good with money, you know, attracting it and um, using we're gonna, it. We're going to get a, into that because yeah. and, and using it as a resource. <laughs> but, you know, there was a time when I was like, oh, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you need to let your husband handle that or, you know, or just don't even look at it because, you know, it's just not for you. And like our circumstances reflected the fact that, that maybe I should have been more involved. So, you know, it, it, it's regardless of your age, um, you know, the fact that you are getting into to human design and listening to this podcast now is a godsend because it means that you can now um, move the way that you should have been all along. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, cause some, some people who I've read charts for, you know, have been even in their fifties and sixties and like, Oh my gosh, I needed this 20 years ago. I'm like, but you have it now. So just appreciate that. And I always say, but now you always say, well, now you actually can do what you want to do and you're not second guessing it because you know, the thirties and twenties, you're like, okay, this information is great. But my mom said, or my parents right. think this now you really can empower yourself and do what you need to do, especially as you get older. I think human design, um, 
if I would have had it in my twenties, it wouldn't have been as effective as it is now. So for sure you, and you probably wouldn't have been as open to it, you know, that, and that's what I'm finding with my kids who are 21 and 17, you know, that they're not there yet, you know, and then my son texted me the other day and said, Hey, you know, what are my rising signs and my, you know, my moon signs? I was like, Oh, you know, what? <laughs> let's start with what, why are you asking kid? Like what, you know, let's figure out what that is. But, you know, so the other part is if you choose to have children, um, finding out about human design in your 30s or 40s or what have you can be phenomenal for your relationship with your kids and also with respect to how you allow them to move because it's not just your chart but maybe you're also looking at theirs and you're realizing oh i'm a manifesting generator but they're a projector and so you know maybe i should you know let them quit soccer you know before the season ends or you know or maybe music isn't the right thing for them even though i feel like you know music will help them get a scholarship or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. And I mean, I was always into astrology since I was in my teens, but like you said, human design would have been a little bit more scary because both of my parents are generators. So they're about going out, getting it, trying to make it happen, work, 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 you know, hustling and all, you know, doing the, the, you know, sustainable energy grind that, you know, you people with sacral energy can do. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm tired y'all. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't it's just like reflecting. Yeah. I mean, it's just recognizing the differences that we all have. That That's the wonderful thing about human design. You know, I'm still, you know, I've talked to you about this and I'm still a little trepidations about asking people that aren't related to me, like, Hey, you know, what's your birthday? So I can figure out, you know, and I hear you on that. Um, but you know, for the people who are closer to you, family, friends, what have you, it's, it's a fantastic resource. And that can be dangerous at, you know, asking, I mean, in the dating sector, sector, I go ahead. Once I feel comfortable, Hey, fill this out. Let me know what it says, because just, just, just screenshot it so I can see both of your chart, your natal chart and your human design chart. I just need to know personally. So you touched on something about money and looking at your chart, you have the whole, so two of April has two of like my favorite like channel. She has the money line and she has the channel of the alchemist or the channel of the beat. So when we talk about the money line, cause everybody's like, I don't have the money line and they get very upset about that. And Oprah doesn't have the money channel. So let's keep that in context. But Oprah has a lot of intuition and a lot of um, she has a lot of intuitive and like strategic kind of emotional channels and gates in her chart. So when we talk about the money line or the money channel, many people think that this is like the worst thing if you don't have it. And. I'm bringing this up because you talked about you and your marriage and how at one point you were like, oh, just let him pay all the bills and I'm just going to remain oblivious kind of thing and just, you know, sit back and let him take care of it. And that is very common with people who have an unconscious and sometimes even a conscious um, gate 21, which is the channel of the CFO or control. Um, but it also means that someone who is able to allocate resources for the community. And so I wanted to to talk about that because I think that's important for people who have this gate 21 in the money channel to understand like so what was it like but because I try to explain it to them because I don't have 21 but I have 45 um, and I can't relate completely but what was it like to just 
was the relinquishing of the of the money like I don't want responsibility or I didn't want to um, control people. Yeah, it, it was painful as I look back on it, um, you know, because we, you know, we have bills like everybody else had bills. And so it's like, OK, how are we going to figure this out? You know, and so this was, I think, even before Excel. But I had like this spreadsheet and I was like, OK, this is how much we're paying for each thing. And as we pay this one off, then we use that money to pay the next thing. Right. And and I mean, it was it was succinct and it was working. And then I I don't know if it was like patriarchy or ego or whatever but i'll just say broadly the decision was made <laughs> that i would not be taking care of that anymore and that was difficult because it's like but it's working you know so why why are we making you know if it ain't broke don't fix it you know what what, what are we doing um and so then once i was no longer taking care of it um you know we started to slip from time to time and things weren't you know things weren't moving as smooth as perhaps they could have been and definitely not as smoothly as I wanted them to. And so, you know, I could feel that I was like, Oh, I need to, you know, I need to, do I jump in there? Because I feel like I can do a good job, not a better job, but just a good job. Or do I not sort of like trouble the waters, you know, and, and just let him continue to go. And so eventually, you know, so now I'm in the place where I'm taking control and it, it just feels right. Like I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy, you know, knowing exactly where every single dollar is going and, and planning and budgeting and all the rest of that stuff, which sounds a little weird <laughs> that anybody really actually enjoys that stuff. Um, but, you know, there is a piece of that control. Like I know where my money is. Is. I know where my money is going. Um, and so I'm controlling what comes in and what goes out of the house. And that feels really good to me. That's amazing. And many people who I've talked to or read charge for who do have gate 21 unconscious, they are scared to take over even, you know, from the married to the single, um, because I've heard I don't want to be restricted. I mean, budgets are good for everyone, regardless of what you have in your human design chart. And, you know, knowing where your money goes is really important and you can get good with money um, regardless. Um, but gate 21 really does make you sort of like a natural expert at it. I mean, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Warren Buffett both have that gate. So hello, ding, ding. You know, <laughs> Warren's really good with it. So to say the least, yes. right, to say the least. And, and I will, I will say that, you know, there was a moment where I was sticking my head in the sand, like, you know, because I had not taken care of stuff for so long. And then it was like, Oh, okay. You know, now you're going to be in charge of it again. And it was like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to know how bad it is or where we are or, you know, or, you know, what needs to be done. And so I had to get out of that. Like I had to push myself to get back into alignment really um, because being in control is part of my alignment. So me sticking my head in the sand and ignoring stuff and what have you, it didn't feel right, even though it sort of felt safe because it's like, you know, ignorance is bliss. Um, but then once I got into it, I got through that first hurdle of just, okay, just put everything out there and see where you are. That's when, you know, the light went off or the bell or whatever. And, and then I was like, oh yeah, okay. You know, this may be rough for the next couple of months or whatever until I get it under control, but it feels good um, that I have taken control again. And with your taking control, and this is, 
a question. I think that um, I don't, I'm not going to say that manifesting generators uh, have, but because uh, many manifesting generators that I know do have multiple things going on, sometimes it feels as though the money um, well is not full. Do you feel as though with you taking control of your money and also in your new career, do you feel as though that you can attain besides you being a master manifester? Do you feel that it's correct for you to set financial goals and do you have trouble setting them? I think that it's right for me to set them. Um, we had the conversation before about what that magic number is. Right. Because you know, everybody says, I want to be a millionaire. millionaire. Right. Yeah, right. And that's cute. <laughs> but, Very cute. But I, I can't. I can't imagine that number, right? I can't see myself at that number yet. And so incremental manifestation for me is great. So my number is significantly less than 1 million. But yes, I know what that number is and that feels really comfortable. Um, and then I also, you know, I believe in abundance and I operate now from a place of abundance and not scarcity. So I don't have any concerns there with respect to whether I can hit my number or whether things are going to be difficult. In part, I think because I'm in control of the money, right? So I, I know what I have, um, but I also believe in manifestation. Um, and so I know that I can bring more to me. Mm, okay, I love that. And when, so you're also someone who, when we talk about variables and super senses and things like that, you're an outer vision person, meaning that um, there's inner vision, there's outer vision, there's taste, there's feeling, there's all these other things. They're, they're called cognitions or, you know, super senses, however you want to label them. And so being an outer vision person, um, you know, and maybe just are finding this out, but <laughs> April say, yes, I am. Um, yeah, this is new. So it means that you have to see it before you believe it. Meaning, so for me, I'm an inner vision person. Um, that's my what, my cognition. So I have to believe it before I see it. So I, I have to visualize and see it. And then it appears in my outer vision. You're the opposite. You need to see it first and then you can feel it and believe it internally. So when we talk, and that's why I asked you about the money and the money goals, because you're out of vision. And so you just, you know, kind of answered the question of, I can't grasp a million dollars, but I would say that if you had an example close to you, you probably would be able to do it because you I need, need to more see rich it. friends, right? Yeah. You need more rich friends. <laughs> no, it's true because you no, need but, to but see I, it first. I, I hear you in that. And, and I, I just, went through that process. I think I was doing another podcast or something, but I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, I was considering raising my rates um, because, you know, and the kind of stuff that, you, that I do, you don't exactly know. And there's no transparency, you know, nobody's ever actually saying, right, oh, this is like, how much oh, I charge for a speech. Right. right. Person. Nobody right. shares that. And, and I absolutely get that. Um, so I, so the very first time my manager went out with this number that I just thought was obscenely large and the corporation was like, okay, Okay, cool. And I was like, oh, right. And so that was me seeing it. Right. right? And then, so, and then we, we tried it a second time and the corporation was like, yep. Okay, good. You're like, no negotiation where, you know, it's done. That's what you want. That's what you're getting. And so then I could believe that that, you know, and so part of that I'm sure is self-worth, you know, um, you know, right. 
thing and imposter syndrome and all the rest of that stuff. But actually seeing that number hit my account, it's like, okay, that's your floor now, sis. Like, right, you know? And right. so now you can believe that in fact, you should get this amount of money for this type of work. Um, and so, yes, having the outer vision now makes perfect sense now that you've said it. Right. So, I mean, going forward, now that you know that all you need is really an example. And so jumping back into your chart and I love the way that I'm doing, you know, this episode with you is, you know, cause we always look at human design as, you know, everyone starts getting into their chart and what does this mean? And what does that mean? And, and I always tell people, listen, that's maybe for you two years later, because you need to just focus on your strategy, your authority, your profile, um, the not self, those type of things before you can jump, jump into, um, you know, some of the different nuances, but the reason why I'm doing it with you, because you're actually living it and you've experienced it already. So it's kind of interesting to see it happening in real time and like, Oh, this is where it matches up at kind of thing. So you also have the channel of the alchemist, you know, 14 to two, or as I like to call the sugar daddy and the trophy wife <laughs> for various reasons, but having both of them means that you have the ability to create, um, you know, prosperity and abundance through your work and also know, know how to put out that energy creatively. And so when we talk about the, you know, the nuances of your career, what do you do now? And I'm asking that from a, you're a manifesting generator, your career changed with the tweet six years later. Now you are taking it up a notch. So if someone asks you now, what do you do? Ooh, I am an equity and inclusion advocate in the entertainment industry. Okay. I love that. Was that hard for you to say? It, uh, no, no, be, no, because I'm sort of required to say, it, you know, because it's part of my bio, um, you right. know, but, but the whole, the, the general question of what do you do? Like, if you ask me to get into specifics, then we might have trouble, right? So I can give you top line, but diving down further, you know, because it changes all, all the time. I do what I'm requested to do. And, and so now, you know, based on some things that you've told me, you know, I lean heavily on my network, um, you know, so, and you've, you know, I, my strategy is to respond. And so I respond, you know, so I have, you know, a contact email on my page on Twitter, which is how 90% of my stuff comes to me wow. in some form or another. Um, so, you know, I've got my little spark page there and, you know, my contact information is on the spark page. And so that's how I receive potential requests to do stuff. And then, you know, we make the decision about whether I am or not, but, and then I get referrals all the time from folks in my network, which is fantastic. And so seeing that and knowing that that's part of me, um, is incredibly liberating because I am not a salesperson. I am not the person that's going to go out there and knock on doors for myself or for right. anything else. Um, you know, so, but having the stuff literally sometimes drop in my lap, Hey, would you like to do this thing for this amount of money? Sure. <laughs> you know, that, that works every single time. And so I'm thankful that, 
I can be aligned enough to um, not only notice it, but realize that that's how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to sort of, you know, make myself available as projectors do, but then, you know, respond to things that are happening that are aligned with me. No, and that's amazing. And you are just a master manifester, which is always like a jealousy point. Like, oh, you just know how to manifest really well, and just—I mean, some things. I—I I, I like to think. I like to think that I am. You know, most recently, I was uh, watching a versus recently with uh, the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I was like, oh, you know. And of course, I tweeted this because this is how my stuff goes out into the universe. I was like, you know what? I would really love to hear this song. And eight minutes later. Uh, they played the song. Now, you know, people can say it's coincidence. I get it, but it's like, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire Is it, right? They have songs. a bazillion songs, you know. As <laughs> so a- the fact that they played this song and, and something else happened to me. Oh, I was talking to um, our friend Callie not too long ago and we're working on a project together and I, I just texted her. I said, is it weird that we haven't heard back from XYZ? And she's like, no, it's not really weird, but if you want to, we can reach out next week and literally one hour later and literally because I checked I'm saying literally literally (laughs) one hour later we got an email that said hey just want to keep you in the loop everything is going great yada 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 that's good crazy but but part part of human design I think for me is just recognizing the things that are actually happening and not chalking them up to you know coincidence or whatever you want to call it that you are actually making these things happen Right. I love that. I do love that. And so when we talk about, you know, human design from a, when it, cause you, you work in the entertainment industry. We're just going to say that you're a media person um, now and you're in there. And so even looking back at your former career, you know, and I always try and be an advocate for people bringing in these modalities into the corporate space. How do you think it would have helped you? How would human design have helped me back then? Yeah, in your corporate career. Man, I wouldn't have had a corporate career. (laughs) That's number one. Besides that, if you had to stay um, there, if you had uh, to stay there. If I had to, you you know what? I I think I would have, um, like, had conversations with my boss. You know, hey, um, you know, you need this thing on this date. I got you. You know, my track record has shown you that right, I that provide I'm not things. Drop the ball, so you right, need to be and I provide things online. You know, on time, if not early. So I don't need you to check in with me. You know, for these incremental. You know, just let me do it at, at my own pace, right? So that may have been a conversation I could have had um, that they hopefully would have appreciated. Um, I think you know part of my thing is to lean on my network, and so instead of just trying to do all of my work myself, you know, maybe it's like, Hey, you like to do X. I like to do Y. How about we flip, you know, and, and then we both get our work done, but we are both doing stuff that we actually like to do instead of slogging through the crap that we don't like. So yeah, I I think there are a number of ways that, um, I could have used human design, even if I had chosen, even if overall, probably I would have been out of alignment because that job was not the right. Right. You would have left the job eventually, but you still utilize it, which is good. So I want to switch gears more to present day April and what you have going on, but more from a 
a lens of what do you think the, what do you, where do you think entertainment is going? You know, you called out something six years ago, Oscar so white. And now we are experienced 2020 happened. Um, that was, you know, it happened and, you know, we are still in it. Where do you think entertainment, the media is going with everybody being exposed over the last year, things just being brought to light, what do you think is going to either kind of where is it going? Cause I mean, that's a big question. And I think you're on the pulse of that with your thoughts, your opinions, your thought leadership, where, where is it going? I'm hopeful that we are going to continue to see this shift um, from at least in the film industry, reliance on the big studios like 20th Century and Universal, you know, and, and MGM and all the rest of them to smaller um, distribution companies like the streaming services, right? We've all been home for the last year. And so, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, you know, not only are they showing movies that we know and love, but they're also creating a lot of original content. I don't see any reason to go back to that. And it also democratizes the process in that it sort of levels the playing field. So you may not be able to get into Warner Brothers to have that meeting, but Netflix is, you know, or any of the other streaming services are much more accessible. Um, the other thing is, you know, when you um, used to go to the movie theater and, and pay your money, you would get your ticket and you would sit down, right? After you, you know, pulled out all your candy out of your purse that you sort of smuggled in. Um, <laughs> if you're anything like me. Right. And your food, <laughs> but, and your meals. And That's your meals. right. Your fried chicken and your foil. Yes, right. we can go all the way down that road. Um, but with streaming services, you have to sign up. And so they have some demographic information. They know, you know, what your gender identity is. They may know your age group, those kind of things. And so that's important because it provides metrics. And so, you know, Netflix says, oh, you know, we've got a whole demographic of women between the ages of 35 and 55 who are really loving this rom-com let's make more of that right mm -hmm. and so these films and and even tv series are going to be i hope more catered toward the actual audience as opposed to just what the gatekeepers want to watch who right. are overwhelmingly white men so i guess that says then the denial of black and brown faces in the media is you can't ignore it anymore because of the streaming platforms and things and the heightened like kind of experience that we're having at home you can't deny that millions of people watch this one thing like that just it's going to be i mean not saying that they can't make up something make it happen but it's going to be harder as we move forward. I, I hope that I hope that's true, you know, but it's, it's not that they deny it. It's whether they care, mm. you know? So, I mean, we can look at black Panther, $1.4 billion worldwide. And yet black folks still have trouble making films regardless, you know, despite the fact that we know that we show up that, to the office, box uh, offices, absolutely. right? And, and it's not just us, you know, it wasn't $1.4 billion from the black community. It was worldwide. Why? That means, yeah. you know, you think, Think about a movie like Crazy Rich Asians. We all went to see Crazy Rich Asians. Listen, that movie, I still have that wedding imprinted in my oh mind. My, and with lives, the water. Girl, and the, when that, I think about that scene. All it's like, I want to get married again just so I can have all that the time. I just said that was the most classiest 
thing that I have ever seen in my life. When that water started trickling down the aisle, I cried. And the little dragonfly lights that they were holding. It was the whole thing. But all of us went to see that movie, right? And so it's it's not just a quote unquote Asian movie. I hate because they don't ever say, oh, this is a white movie. Right. (laughs) You know, they they always (laughs) marginalize, oh, this is a chick flick or whatever. It's like, oh, is it though? You know, because I saw men, lots of men enjoying the film. Um, So I hope that's the distinction. And lastly, we know that a whole bunch of actors and actresses um, and filmmakers generally are creating their own production studios. So no Mm. longer waiting for the big ones, you know, that are still have gatekeepers that are white men to make the films that we as moviegoers all want to see, you know, Michael B. Jordan and, you know, Viola Davis and so many other folks have their own production companies. And that's also how work is getting pushed out so after the pandemic i i hope that this kind of stays around because it's given lots of folks an entire year to you know get their ducks in a row with respect to film and tv production i hope so because i mean there's so many great stories of black brown indigenous people of color that we just need to see um and it's you know we have stories to tell that don't involve pain and that involve happiness and just all sorts of amazing things. So um, thank you for that. I do. I have another uh, question for you. Um, well, I have two more. So <laughs> no, you all, I have two more, but my first one is, and this is just kind of like uh, this just popped in. What, since you brought up the actual movie theater, do you think the movie theater is done? <laughs> I mean, I hope not because I own stock in IMAX. (laughs) Well, listen, (laughs) don't close the IMAXs. Close everything. Exactly. You can close the regular theaters, but you know, mama still got college bills to pay. Um, You know, I don't think so because, because people like that sense of community, right? It's it's like saying, are they going to close football stadiums or baseball stadiums? No, because there are times when, you know, I, I remember the first time I saw Black Panther, you know, February, 2018, that was a moment, right? Oh, it's so that, and that, that you cannot replicate on your couch. We went twice. Uh, no matter, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. You know, no matter how many people you have at in your home. And so, you know, especially for those big films and you know, that's why I said IMAX, because, you know, the, the right. big films with all the craziness and the car chases and the explosions, you know, you want that on a big screen. Um, you want that taste of movie theater butter that you just cannot replicate you on your popcorn at home. At home. I try, but there's something about the grease or I don't the know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all chemicals it's in there, but it tastes right? delicious. It's delicious. Exactly. It's delicious. So I, I think that they're going to, you know, I'm, I'm afraid for the small or art house theaters, mm. you know, the ones that have the, the smaller, quieter films that are very often magical, um, but the theaters themselves only hold 50 people. Right. So here in the DMV, I think of the E Street the cinema um, downtown Washington, D.C. I think of the Charles Theater in Baltimore. You know, what's going to happen to them? Right. You know, I think the big ones are going to stay. Um, but, you know, and that's why it's super important that we don't just patronize, you know, the IMAX, you know, based films, but, you know, the documentaries. And, and, yeah. and that's the question, because if things are going straight to streaming as opposed to being shown on the smaller screens, then in fact, what do the smaller screens have left to show? 
Yeah, that's, you know, and I, a lot of good, good films when I was in New York, I could see at the smaller theaters. So, you know, it was that, that experience too was like, I miss that. I really do miss going to the movies. I used to be a part of a movie club, everything. So it's just like, oh, this is, I don't want to get sick, but you know. And it's romantic. I mean, it's where yeah. a lot of folks have their first, first or early dates. dates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, the yeah. yawn and the arm around the back of the chair, all the, you know, and, and you just, it, Netflix and chill just isn't the, the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. That's not the same. So my last question to you is, thinking about you and your um, your insights and your thought leadership, where do you want yourself to be next year? We won't even say five years. Where would if, you. If you, <laughs> you're like, I mean, cause you know, your kids will be in different spaces and places. You'll be in a different place in space um, as a manifesting generator thinking a year from now, what would you want for yourself? I want to continue with the same happiness and joy that I have right now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put a whole bunch of parameters in it. I know that, you know, we're recording in early 2021. I know that by the end of 2021, I will have moved from the East coast to the West coast. Um, I know that I will have a child newly graduated from college and a child entering college. Uh, and I want to be able to provide for them. I want um, financial independence. I had been, asking for financial stability. Um, and I have that. Uh, and so now I'm moving even beyond financial security to financial independence, which to me means I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it without, <laughs> without right. having any thought to, you know, can you afford this or, you know, what do you have to move from this bucket to that bucket to make it happen? Um, you know, so I have, you know, I'm a, we didn't get into this, but I'm a, you know, non-specific manifester. So mm -hmm. there's the kind of house that I would like to have um, once I move to Los Angeles. Um, but with respect to work, you know, just thank you more, you know, that, that, that's where I am. Like every, everything is flowing. Let's just keep it continuing the flow. I don't necessarily have any, um, you know, wide eyed aspirations. Oh, I want to be this because part of it is I don't want to work for anybody else. So I can't right. say, Oh, I want to be the vice president of X or, you know, or right. I want to be the digital strategist for Y. Nah, I'm good. You know, I just want things to continue to flow the way that they have been. I know that's not no, that's, that's probably good. not the best answer. No, but with that being said, what advice do you have for manifesting generators who are in life pivots, career changes, changing things up? What can advice can you offer them to make it easier? Do it. <laughs> that, that that's it just do it you know they get past the fear you know as our friend amari says the breakdown always comes before the breakthrough and so we all have that fear but the fear tells you that you are on the precipice of something great so you have to push through the fear now you know to be very clear you know don't just quit your job right. you know ensure that you have some kind of safety net you know maybe start off as i did with an advocate with a hobby to make sure that that feels right, you know, until you can make that into your vocation, your actual job. Um, but, you know, as 
ensure that you are in alignment and then do whatever that thing is that um, your human design is telling you that is next for you. But, but don't wait, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much ahead of you and the sooner that you can be fully in alignment, the happier you will be. And I am definitely testament to that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, April. I will put where everybody can find you at. Thank you so much for this conversation. I know that all the MGs will appreciate. They're always like, you don't have no MGs on no more. Like, what? We're down, the best. Relax. How dare you? Are you kidding? <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you. And I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? Make sure you all have an amazing, amazing day filled with good vibes and great energy. And remember, don't let anybody fuck with you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.